What a start to free agency for the Indiana Pacers. They get the biggest thing they needed to do done and extend Tyrese Halliburton. And they had Bruce Brown. How about a wing who can defend at the point of attack? Exactly what the Pacers need. We'll cover both of those today on another bonus weekend edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, happy Saturday. Happy July. It's bonus content time because free agency has begun and the Pacers have swung hard and made a huge hit doing the biggest thing they needed to do this offseason. They already have gotten it done. Tyrese Halberton contract extension check and they make another move bringing in Bruce Brown. We'll talk about that. The discussion about his pay and why I think he's a really good fit and a lot more with him. We'll just get to those two transactions today. Going to change the structure a bit for a bonus show. And then if nothing else happens tomorrow, we can talk about, I guess I'll just say them now, Chris Duarte reportedly being traded. Uh, Not a lot of details on that yet. Uh, And then O'Shea Brissett has signed with the Boston Celtics. We have a lot of Pacers free agency dominoes kind of already in place. We'll see where that all goes. But we have to start with the big news. There's nothing else that could possibly have started the Pacers' offseason discussion. I, quite frankly, to peel back the curtain a little bit, feel like I didn't cover this enough in the lead-up to July 1st. Like This is the biggest story of the Pacers' summer, and I talked about the mechanics a lot and the argument for the Pacers doing it, but the more of the why was they haven't had a franchise talent like this locked up for this long in a very, very long time, and Tyrese Halberton is built different than a lot of other players that I've talked to, and he's 23 years old, and he is now under contract through 2029. I would like to repeat what I just said. Tyrese Halbert is under contract with the Pacers through 2029. Adrian Wojnarowski tweeting just at about 1230 uh, on this lovely July 1st that Tyrese Halbert has agreed to a five-year, $260 million rookie extension. So first, let's talk about the finances really quick before we talk about what this all means. That is the absolute maximum Tyrese Halberton can get. That doesn't mean he will get that much money, right? So to explain, uh, if he gets $260 million, that means he gets 30% of the salary cap next year in the first year of his deal and gets 8% raises. And the salary cap goes all the way up to $149 million next year. All three of those things have to happen for Halliburton to get his $260 million. I guess 8% raises is probably likely either way. But we don't know about the cap jump, and we don't know about Halliburton hitting his incentive next year. So that is the maximum it can be, but that does not guarantee that Tyrese Halliburton is going to make $260 million. The length is likely set at five years. I have not yet been able to confirm with anyone if there is or is not an option on any year of this contract. But... Uh, the fact that they got him for either four plus one or five years is still very good. Uh, and locking him up is as important as possible. If he doesn't hit those incentives, but the cap still goes up as high as it possibly could, then this deal would be five years, $217 million. And if the cap goes up less, well, then I would just be guessing at what, at less than its maximum, excuse me. Then I would just be guessing at what the value could be we will see where that ends up and before this question comes 
This extension does not kick in this year. It kicks in in 2024-25. That's why if it's a straight five-year deal, he's under contract through 2029 because this coming season, the one that starts this year in October, he's already under contract on his rookie-scale deal for $5.8 million, a total steal. So including that year and the five years, Tyrese Halbert now has six years on his contract that can total on the new money as much as $260 million if everything goes his way in the next calendar year. Now, I will reiterate something I have said before and on my own disappointment that I didn't you know, talk about this more leading up to it because this is such a huge story. Pacers offseason is a success. It's over. Like they, the, the other move they made that we're going to talk about on this episode is significant. They could have totally bundled that. Wouldn't have mattered. They have done the most important thing to do with absolutely no drama, with absolutely no issue. And the way they view Halliburton, right? If, if you remember the Sabonis rookie extension, remember that drama where he said, I know how they feel about me and all this stuff, and it was a, all this hubbub. You know, you don't want that. You never want that. You want it to go the way this one did. Where Well, and it helps that Halliburton is so good that it makes it easy. But to me, you want it to go this way, and you want to have your guy locked up for any reason. And even if Halliburton got hurt this coming season, I would have offered this to him. So it was a no-brainer, right? It was truly... And no-brainer. Over 20 points a game, over 10 assists a game, and over 40% from three. That's unheard of. That was No one shot 40% from three and had 10 assists a game last season. Like It's just unheard of. The combination of scoring, passing, and shooting that he has, he sets the Pacers' entire style in motion. He is their identity, quite frankly. A lot of their half-court and transition offensive stuff is based on Tyrese Halberton just being really damn good and that's why they locked him up first along this was a no-brainer back to when Kevin Pritchard truly the state's back to when they traded for him and Tyrese Halberton said the Kings you know I'm paraphrasing here but the Kings gave up on me I, I you know I want to prove that I can be more than that and prove it to this franchise and then we I remember April of this year when Kevin Pritchard said he's a partner for us when talking about Tyrese Halberton he was not saying that anything less than Tyrese Halberton will be Involved in decision-making. will be around all the time. I saw Halberton at several Pacers pre-draft workouts. A couple of the players who worked out talked about knowing who he is well. He has that level of gravity around the NBA. He's going to be playing for Team USA later this summer. He is already working in the accolades and the external recognition as one of the best players in the world. And the Pacers view him as a partner. He's going to be a part of things. The way that this franchise develops, He they want their superstar involved in every aspect of their franchise. And that's exactly how this should go. And this investment shows that they truly believe in him in that way. As a talent, as a person, Kevin Pritchard talked about his recruiting. He's a basketball junkie. I mean, all the sorts of things you want from your franchise player, Tyrese Halberton can be that. And he's a goofball. He tweeted the million-dollar man laughing for 34 seconds after signing a $200 million contract. I have to admit, I was laughing myself in my chair for quite a while after he did that. It was very funny, and it says a lot about who Tyrese Halberton is, but he's locked up with the Pacers now for years, and now the challenge is building around him and with him, right? This is just, this is step one. Like, you could call the last year and a half since they traded for Halberton at the 2022 trade deadline, their retool, their rebuild, whatever you want to use. Now they're trying to win. They want to make the playoffs next year, and they have this guy locked up for years. This, to me, is sort of the signal of a new era 
of Indiana Pacers basketball where you build around and with Tyrese Halliburton, who they view as a partner, going forward. You do everything you can to maximize the team around him and maximize his style and make the team as good as you possibly can in that setting. I remember Pritchard saying, Ty is our guy. We want Ty here for as long as he wants to be here, and I don't think that's going to be all that complicated. Well, it sounds like it was not that complicated because this was the first rookie scale extension that got out. Now, granted, of course, it's a max, but it got out there quickly, and that is what it is all about. And the Pacers now have a face of the franchise. I think that's noteworthy, too. Since Oladipo's injury in 2019, they haven't really had that kind of guy in the mix, but now they do. They have a, a fantastic special player in Tyrese Halliburton locked up for a long time. And now I'm curious to see how they build around him or how Halliburton's influence helps them in many ways. There was a lot of reporting last year about how Halliburton helped recruit Aiton in their pitch to him. Can that be something that is long-lasting, right? Did he have any say in the Bruce Brown signing potentially today? I would love to ask him about that the next time I see him. I certainly will. In what other ways can he bring talent to Indiana with his play, of course, being the chief thing among them? Good teams can recruit good players. We've seen that around the NBA viewers. Bruce Brown, who the Pacers just signed, signed with the Nuggets last year because that team was good and chasing a title. And hey, look how that worked for him. If you're a good team, you can get good players to come to your team in any market. And Tyrese Halliburton has the allure and the personality and the gravity to bring those type of players to Indiana. He is exactly what the Pacers franchise needs. And he commits to people. He has always had his people's back. And now he and the Pacers are tied together for five years. I can't wait to see how the Pacers build around this, right? I think this kind of signifies a change in their building timeline. Um, as I said earlier, right, they're now going for it a little more and, and may need to be on, in talent acquisition mode for a few years. I think they can, you know, play it a little patient because they've got him for a long time, certainly, um, but they're going to be going for it a lot more. And this sort of signifies it with an investment of this magnitude. Again, this could top out at $260 million. To contextualize that, I believe, I was texting with someone about this on Friday, and I talked about this when Brogdon signed his extension. Uh, the biggest contract in Pacers history was Jermaine O'Neal's $126 million deal, which was over seven years back when those were allowed. The most money any player with the Pacers has gotten per year. Um, Miles Turner last year was a, a unique situation because of his renegotiation at 37.5. But before that renegotiation, which was very unique, the most money a Pacers player's cap hit had been in a certain year was the year the Pacers traded for Buddy Heald. His cap hit was just over $23 million. Uh, and then for nine days, they had Malcolm Brogdon on their team at 22.5 million. But really, the answer um, is. Now, Tyrese Halbert. <laughs> All these other cutesy little answers about Buddy and Brogdon. Really, the answer, if you want. The actual truth was Buddy healed last year and Malcolm Brogdon the year before. Halbert's going to blow those numbers out of the water. It's not even going to be close. If he doesn't reach his 30% max, but the cap goes up, by the way, he'll be at $37.4 million in 2024-25. And if he does get to the 30% max and the cap goes up, by the way, it's $44.9 million. And he's worth every single penny. I don't think people realize the cap environment and what it is in the NBA, even at a 30% max, a 20, what will he be next summer? 24. Yeah, his birthday's next February. A 24-year-old all-star is worth that much money. That player, throughout his whole prime, the odds they decline is exceedingly small. 
even to a maybe maybe at the very end but even that seems exceedingly unlikely and they'll be worth more than what they're getting paid throughout the middle of it given the NBA's cap environment lots of players got a ton of money as free agency opened yesterday as the new CBA kicked in and as the cap went up 10% again and guess what the max that Halliburton's raises can be is 8% but the cap's max can go up as 10% if the league stays healthy and keeps making money the salary cap outpaces Halliburton's contract growth. This is all stuff that makes his deal worth it, even if that number looks huge. The NBA is changing. It's hard to keep up with that because the cap grows so much, but the money is coming in and the players are making a lot of it. And Tyrese Halliburton is one of those players now making $260 million. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the next steps in his game are, right? If you average 20 and 10 on 40% shooting from deep as a third-year player. What's next for him? Is it a little bit better finishing in the lane, right? I still think he's a decent finisher in the lane. He shot 74% from zero to three feet, but just like a little bit of a floater game or drawing in people off the dribble all the time would make him an ISO-level scorer that's that's hard to guard. Is it the defensive side of the ball? Does he become a much better on-ball defender, adding strength? He said at the draft lottery, he's the heaviest he's ever been, at least as a player because he's added muscle. How much will that help him be an on-the-ball level defender? Is it something else? Maybe a tiny bit of off-ball skills if the Pacers need it as he's drawing more and more attention because that's what's going to happen now that he's in this situation. There's all sorts of things I'm curious about with his development going forward, but all of those things can develop slowly now because the Pacers have him locked up for at least six years and in the NBA the modern NBA that is an unheard of amount of time that doesn't mean the Pacers can play this too slow that does not mean the Pacers should not be going for it that does mean they have time to build their team around their superstar player and that is all you can ask for in this NBA and they started doing that yesterday they made their first signing of free agency pretty soon after the six o'clock deadline began in Bruce Brown, like we just did with Halliburton, we'll do a kind of adjust the facts here. Next week, we'll do more in-depth breakdowns on Halliburton's fit with the Pacers, Bruce Brown's fit with the Pacers, whatever else they do, whoever leaves, all sorts of cap updates. Free agency flows so fast that I try to get these shows out in good time so that they're still timely, but obviously this stuff all changes so quickly and there's stuff to talk about every day. I want to talk about Bruce Brown, the other new Pacers signee getting Quite a bit of money, two years, $45 million. What do I think of that deal? How will he help the Pacers? What position does he slot in at? What does this all mean for the rest of the Pacers free agency? Let's talk about that. Before we do so, let me talk to you guys about FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel. And get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks, You'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to over under to who you think is going to be the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win... You can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Back here on Locked on Pacers, let's keep talking about free agency. Bruce Brown specifically to close out today's little bonus show. Also, check out any of the other shows around our Locked On NBA network that signed a player that is surprising to you. The Rockets got Fred Van Vliet for $120 million. More than that, Jackson Gatlin will have more at Locked On Rockets 
for example. No real surprises around the NBA yet. We'll see if anything shakes up in the next couple of days. But it's Bruce Brown time, a guy that snuck onto the radar of the Pacers a few days ago. I think the first comment I got about him on YouTube from people reading reports was four days ago. Someone said, do you think Bruce Brown would be a good fit with the Pacers? I replied, yes. That was my whole comment. No added insight. Good work, Tony. But either way, I think he is a good fit. Now, let's talk about this whole story before we talk about his on-court fit a little bit. We'll get to this in more detail after all the kind of chairs have settled of the free agency period. Bruce Brown to the Pacers. Two years, $45 million. So at my first, so here, here's things I need to say. I just said this in the last segment. The cap's going up fast. Player evaluations are going up fast. You got to catch up a little bit. Uh, I also have said on this show for weeks leading up to free agency, talking about various positions, solid starters in the new cap climate cost about $20 million, right? I, I believe that to be the case for almost every single position. That said, even I, when I saw two for 45, at first glance was like, wow, that seems a little high for, for, for Bruce Brown. But now that I think more about it and see the whole structure of the deal, it makes way more sense because, so here's the common debate for players, right? If their deal is longer and has more years, the average annual value goes down because they get more guaranteed money. If it's shorter, they want that average annual value to go up. So it's a two-year deal. So that means the price of Bruce Brown is going to go up from that specifically. That provides the Pacers flexibility. That's one reason. Another reason, and perhaps a much bigger reason, is that the second year of this contract has a team option. Meaning if the Pacers want, they can decline it completely. And if they don't want to have Bruce Brown back at all, they cut his cap hold, boom! They open up some cap room to spend next summer. When, hey, Tyrese Halliburton, as we talked about at the beginning, is going to be really expensive, right? And so if you're Bruce Brown, there was a lot of chatter in the reporting leading up to free agency about him potentially getting the mid-level exception, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which starts at $12.4 million, right? A two-year guaranteed deal would be 22 2.8 or basically $23 million from someone else. So if he takes $22 million from the Pacers this year, even if he gets cut by the Pacers next offseason, all he has to do is sign a minimum deal next year, and that's better than two years with the MLE. Or he could get more than that. And So for his maximum earnings, it makes sense to do a team option because he'd be happy making this much for the next two years. He's happy making this about this year. He's happy to join the Pacers, obviously, or else he wouldn't have signed the contract, right? So for him, this makes sense. From the Pacers, the flexibility makes sense. Having his non-bird rights next summer, if they want to keep him, makes sense. The team option gives them a lot of options, makes this contract very tradable. It's way too early to be talking about that, but just in general, from a financial perspective, I, like everybody else, at first glance at it, thought, that seems a little rich, but now that I think a lot more about it and it kind of really broken down the contract, it seems about right, especially after the season he just had. He kind of put it all together from an offensive perspective, right? Bruce Brown's been known for his defense for a while, was a key part of the Pistons making the playoffs. Yes, that really happened while Bruce Brown was in the NBA. The Pistons made the playoffs um, his rookie year. And he actually played on that team. That's not just like he was on the Pistons. Like he started 56 times that year for the Pistons who made the playoffs. Then he was a good piece for the Nets team that was a Kevin Durant giant foot away from potentially making and winning the championship was a key piece on that team. And then, of course, he was a massive piece for this Denver Nuggets team. He's been a winning player basically wherever he goes because he can do so many important things before he put some more stuff together this past season that we'll talk about in a second. But throughout his career, he's been good at a couple of things that stand out to me. Cutting point of attack defense 
and timely place, right? He reminds me a little bit of O'Shea Brissett in terms of his cutting and timeliness. He's very resourceful on offense, but he's a much better play finisher than Brissett and has been his whole career. Last year with the Nuggets, he shot 80% from 0 to 3 feet. Can I say that again? 80.2% from 0 to 3 feet. 70% the year the Nets were the best for his career, 68%. And that's held down by his first two years being 60% or less. He's an excellent rim finisher. He also has an okay-ish, not something you'd prefer from him, but okay-ish paint game. And his defense is wonderful. This is where I think his addition to this Pacers team is the best. We'll talk about the position he's in. I know a lot of people are going to have questions about the number of kind of smaller guard wing types on this Pacers team. We'll get there. Um, but he is far and away of that group, even probably over Aaron Neesmith, the best defender of that group. And he is 6'4", 202. But if you watch him, he defends so big. He can defend twos, threes, and fours. He did it in the NBA Finals that we just saw. This just happened last month, like two weeks ago. The Finals was only two weeks ago. What the heck? Time is flying by. He can defend so many positions well, and that makes him a better fit with the Pacers than some other teams in that you know, he could be out there with any number of guys and be defending the two or the three or the, the four. At times, you don't love that, but that's fine because he's a really good point-of-attack defender. He's a good team defender. He's a smart defensive player. You can look at his block and steal rates and go, oh, I see right away why this guy is an attractive defensive player. So there's a lot to like about his defense. Now, the other reason I like this signing quite a bit and why I said yes to that commenter the other day is the way the Pacers play, Bruce Brown is going to fit in very well, right? Buddy Heald and his early screens as a screener and his threat of shooting. And really every guard or perimeter player on the Pacers does early screens. It's not quite random, but it's kind of organized chaos. Bruce Brown's a good screener, right? He could fly around and set some screens in the perimeter and catch the ball, uh, dive into the basket or on a short roll or whatever, and make a play. Andrew Nemhard did that a lot last year. Um, when Buddy Heald would roll away from the screen, he would obviously pop out for a three, right? They have a lot of weapons off of those guard-guard screens. Bruce Brown can be a huge weapon with those and the way the Pacers play, especially when Halbert's out there. I love, love the Halberton-Bruce Brown fit. The point of attack defense is, I think, the biggest fit. I'm reading through my notes now, so I'm sorry for repeating this, but I think the biggest reason Brown fits well, he's probably their best defender at those spots right away. He's awesome in transition. Another point for his fit with Tyrese Halberton. He's flying in the open floor. He knows where to go. He's smart. He's fast. He's athletic enough. Like That is a brilliant player to have. Those hit-ahead passes, I think, are going to be a really good fit. And this is the thing that clicked in Denver, finally, I get to it, that makes this um, a better fit with any team, including the Pacers. He finally got the shot down, right? And the percentage is 36%. That's not the part that is me saying he got a shot down. He shot 40% the year before with the Nets, but he only took 1.3 a game, right? In 2021, he took 94 threes the whole season. Yeah, he made 40%, but that's a small volume. This past season, he made 36%, but he took 250 threes, right? It's not necessarily just about the percentage to me. It's that he figured out how he can get them up, how he can get open and actually take those threes at a volume, even if he's a 36% shooter, on volume for the Pacers because he can do stuff with the ball in the paint and do stuff with the ball in his hands. Like a decent passer, almost three and a half assists per game last year, decent on the glass, especially for his size. Like he's going to be this jumbo super energy guy who can do a little bit of everything for the Pacers. So we'll dive more into his fit with someone who covers the Nuggets probably early next week. But on paper and what of what I know of Bruce Brown and watching a lot of the Nuggets because they were in the finals, obviously, in the Western Conference finals. I think I watched the last like nine Nuggets games of their season. Um, 
Love the fit. Love the fit. However, you got me. I haven't talked about the logjam at the guard spot. Yes, the Pacers might have traded away. Chris Duarte, we'll see where the details come in on that. We haven't heard anything since Shams Trania's initial tweet about Duarte and the Kings uh, being involved. But you take Duarte out of the rotation, you still have Aaron Neesmith, Bruce Brown, Benedict Matherin, Ben Shepard, and Buddy Heald, and maybe even Andrew Nemhart at this kind of 2-3 nebulous spot. Now, if you just assume Matherin is starting at the 3, it's pretty easy to say Matherin and Neesmith are your 3s, Brown and Heald are your 2s, but then you still have Andrew Nemhart to fit in there, so where's TJ McConnell in this mix? So they're kind of close to everything making sense, but not quite, because they have a, a still probably a little bit too many of these guys. Maybe they think Neesmith can play up a spot. Maybe they have another move coming. Maybe Shepard just doesn't play this year because he was a late first-round pick, and I didn't even say his name in the rotational part of this. I don't know how they're going to balance that out. I really don't. And that could be a more in-depth discussion once free agency's over. If they still have all those guys at the end of the roster-building period, yes, that's involved. this is a lengthy discussion. Who should play? Who shouldn't? Was this poor use of assets by the Pacers? As it stands now, it looks like, yes, they're going to have a logjam at the 2-3, even with moving off of Duarte whenever that does happen or whatever that move ends up looking like. But Bruce Brown's addition, I mean, he is one of the best of that group, right? The way he can do stuff that no one else in this Pacers team can, adding to their defensive versatility, being able to play two, three, and four in certain lineups, being able to play with Jarris Walker, I think is really valuable in this exercise as well, being a great fit with Halliburton. So the price might be a little on the high side. The fit, we'll see about the positions, but... There's a chance that the fit is better positionally, depending on what the Pacers do the rest of free agency. And there's a lot of good things you can say about the contract, even if you think the price is high from a flexibility perspective and what it lets the Pacers do. So a lot to like about this deal. And of course, a ton to like about the Tyrese Halliburton extension. We'll have more on all this stuff as Lockdown Pacers continues progressing. We'll just go seven days a week. We'll do another one tomorrow uh, as free agency keeps going. So tomorrow's show, if there's nothing new, will be about the latest news, which will be this Duarte trade. Again, we'll see on what that actually lands on being. I have nothing to say because I don't know anything yet. Uh, O'Shea Brissett signing with the Celtics and any other news that may happen between now and then. Also on Saturday, we'll get to talk to uh, General Pargo, the Summer League head coach. So maybe we'll have a little more insight on Pacerland at that time. We'll see. Um, but that is all the updates for now on free agency. If you have anything you'd like to know or that I didn't say, I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East. This show is at Locked on Pacers. And if you're on YouTube, comment something about the Pacers free agency down below. Got to read those and respond to as many people as I can. Hope everybody's having a great weekend. We will see you soon.